Hello, friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. My guest today is Candlin Green. Candlin and her husband, Tony, pastor the church on Detroit. They have three biological children as well as one adopted child, and they are fostering a baby right now. They also have a grown-up son that they fostered, and now he is still a part of their family. In their spare time, Tony and Candlin um, own and operate Candlin Green Photography. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're going to talk about you and Tony have been in the fostering program for a few years now Mm -hmm. and have had kids come through your house. You have a baby Mm -hmm. that you're fostering right now. And we're going to talk about that and um, why you you came to it and and what that means in your life. So let's start out with the why. Why did you decide that you wanted to foster children? Well, um, when Tony and I were first dating... um, we already talked about before we got married wanting to adopt someday. Tony was he grew up in foster care and he was not adopted till he was almost 16 years old and his parents Ed and Lisa Green changed his life. Um, they loved him even though he was already older. They wow. showed him the love of Christ. His dad um, is just one of the most wonderful people I know and actually met him at church. He was in his Sunday school class and Um, Lisa, his mom, always talks about how there was this one time at church where, um, you know, Ed had kind of shared that he he had feelings towards, you know, maybe bringing Tony into their home. And so Lisa prompted him to go pray with Tony and stuff like that. That was before they even, um, you know, had started to start the adoption process. But anyways, they, you know, his life was completely changed because somebody loved him and gave him a chance. And my mom actually aged out of foster care. Um, her mom died when she was 11, and long story, she ended up um, aging out, living with um, the Kennedys, but she considers them her family uh, still to this day. And um, so it was already foster care was already part of our, our thought process. Right. Um, but we did um, when we first got married. Actually, before we got married, I start I was doing missions work in Mexico, and then once we got married, we did it together. And um, my husband and I fell in love with these two boys, and we thought that we would be able to adopt them, but it wasn't, it wasn't what God had in our lives. Um, but they were a stepping stone for us to meet Danny, who was a teenage boy. He was already a United States citizen, so it was much easier. It's really hard to adopt out of Mexico, so it was much easier. He was going to be, um, he was already a teenager, and wow. it was, it was. <laughs> I know, it was really crazy. Everybody, I'm telling you, some people were like, do it. Other people were like, don't do it. It's the worst decision ever. But <laughs> we, uh, we at that time, we were struggling with infertility, too. We'd had two miscarriages, and I was in, like, the darkest of my life mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I just kept I mean I remember this one lady was like well maybe you're not supposed to be a mom and I was like God did not put this desire in my heart for me not to be a mom I will be a mom I don't know how it will be but I right. will be a mom and so right. our first one was actually a teenager at the time his name's Danny he moved here from Mexico he knew very very little English at that time but now he's 25 and he's a grown-up um, and then we he still lived with us when we ended up getting pregnant with my daughter Dahlia and um, while I was pregnant with her, Tony and I just decided we were going to start the foster care journey after she was born. And we, I think we actually started our first class for foster care when she was like one month old. She went to all of our classes with us. 
<laughs> so kind of went from there. That's awesome. So you took in Danny when he was, tell me again how old he was. We first met him when he was 17. So. Isn't that crazy? So he was, it might be sick. He might have been 16 when we first met him. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and you adopted him. Yeah. Well, not technically. He, um, we didn't have to adopt him really, right. if that makes any sense. I mean, if you ask him, he would say, yeah, Kendall's my mom. Tony's my dad. Um, so similar to Tony's story. Yeah, it's and kind of similar to my mom because my mom was never actually adopted. You but. said the term aged out. What what does that mean? Um, aged out can be when you turn 18 and you've never been adopted. Okay. So okay. it's kind of like that. Um, you know, she never, my mom's last name isn't Kennedy, but she still goes to all of their family stuff. You know. They're her family. They're her family. That yeah. gave her. Okay. So. Great. So, so you... I think it's amazing that you and Tony had this dream before you were even married. Mm -hmm. So um, that that is truly amazing. And so that's your why. So you have five children in your household right now. Yes. Tony has two jobs. Well, you both have two jobs because you're a pastor's wife and you have the photography studio. So tell me some of the things that you, some of the challenges that you have faced um, (laughs) that, that might just be everyday challenges and maybe some things that are bigger. Um, I think that probably our biggest challenge is uh, making sure, and I, this sounds silly, but just making sure we're good parents. Um, I think when you're trying to juggle all the things, um, it's easy to to not take the time to mm-hmm. play with your kids or, or spend time with them, and um, that's something that Tony and I are very conscious of. There's so, You always hear, you know, pastor's kids. Mm-hmm. Well, those wild pastor's kids, and I think that it's because a lot of times the church expects so much of the pastor that they give everything to the church and not to their children. And so Tony and I have always said our first ministry is our family. Right. And we've had to step, there's been times where we've had to step back. You know, we've had, um, whether we had to step back from doing small group, we had to do that for a little while. I mean, when we first got our newest little girl, um, the virus had just really started shutting down the world. And and, you know, a lot of people switched all their Bible studies to online. We still did our Sunday service online, but our Bible study, we were like, you know, we're, we're maxed out right now and just trying to survive with right. this new baby. And Tony went back and was working construction because, obviously, photography was shut down. Right. So Pretty much, yeah. I was like, I was like, I can't do any more than I'm doing. And, and so I think that's probably the hardest thing is, is making sure that they always know that they're the priority. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to lie and pretend like it's not busy all the time. Um, you know, right now while we're doing this, my husband has all the children and is hopefully folding all of the laundry that has taken over our lives. So. But he has five children, so we just don't know. <laughs> and he I'm, might be, in, you know, tied up in the basement. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they mute me against you. <laughs> I, uh, and I pre- tell him I appreciate that you are against this time. I think that fostering is an important subject. Yes. And you and I were talking about before we went on the air that um, there's so many misconceptions oh my gosh, about yes. what fostering is and there's such a need and hearing Tony's story and your mom's story mm-hmm. and Danny's story mm-hmm. there are kids that are not getting a family until they're in their mid to late teens and, and that is heartbreaking although in every one of those stories it turned out to be good Yes, but there's an opportunity for people to do this when children are younger or to take on an older child so Talk a little bit about that process. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions, and it it literally makes my blood boil immediately, is when people talk about how, they talk bad about foster parents and how they're just doing it for the money. Um, (laughs) I literally want to punch them, but I try really hard not to. Um, 
here's the thing. The reason that foster parents get money is to take care of the child. And, um, you know, perfect example, we found out the day that the, our newest one was born that we were going to get her. Um, we had to go out and obviously get car seat, crib, bassinet, clothes, diapers, formula, you know, jumper root, all the things all that the little things. kids cost, you know, because um, we weren't thinking we were going to have any more babies, so we didn't have any of that left. Um, and thankfully, we did have some wonderful people who were able to, one of my friends who's a wonderful foster mother, she's like, we're not doing babies anymore, I got this car seat, you want to take it, you know, but it cost several hundred dollars just to get the bare minimum basics right and um, obviously we had some wonderful people bring diapers and wipes too but you know and, and i'm nothing against those people who brought us up we were so thankful but there was obviously still more cost um right so the thing is with the with being a foster parent it's supposed to offset the cost if somebody's trying to make money doing it they're in it for the wrong reasons because you depending on where you foster through you make a dollar an hour right so a dollar an hour and you're also including paying for all of their things you're not going to make any money right right and I, you I make think... more money babysitting in eight, <laughs> in eight hours and send the kid home you know right and and i think that that is a huge misconception and, and i'm glad that you spoke to that because um you're not going to make money off of that, but the but it's value lies in what for you and Tony. I mean, for us, we there's a couple things. There's a couple reasons people foster. Some people foster because they want to grow their family. Maybe they've struggled with infertility. Maybe they have a history like we do, where they they've seen how foster care can really change a child's life and things like that. And some people really foster to help the bio parents while they're trying to get mm -hmm. their lives together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because the point of foster care is reunification. Um, and sometimes that's obviously not the case. And the child, you know, the bio parents don't get their lives together and they can't take care of the child and the child is able to be adopted. Um, but at the same time, you know, whatever the reason is that somebody decides to foster, the child should be the most important thing, you right. know? Right. So. Because their life doesn't usually start out like what most of us are used to. Right. So, um, so t talk a little bit about some of the, um, you talked about the parenting challenge. Um, what challenges have you seen in some of the kids that you have fostered? What have they had to overcome? Um, <clears throat> well, so we've had some of them from birth. So um, you would think that they wouldn't necessarily have any struggles. Um, but... There is al there's always a loss when it comes to adoption. Mm -hmm. There's a huge gain, but there's also a loss. Mm -hmm. um, the bio parents lose their child, and even though it's really easy for people to talk so bad about the bio parents, I'm just going to be the first to say that sometimes their IQ is lower, mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to take care of children. Sometimes mm -hmm. they've lived in generations of abuse and addictions, and they don't know how to take care of children. Um, and sometimes... Um, sometimes, yes, there are moments where they're selfish and making really bad decisions, but at the same time, they're not always the villain that I think they're painted to be. And, and I think that's important to note. You and I have a mutual friend who has um, done a lot of fostering yeah. as well, and I learned so much from her about, mm -hmm. her, you know, she would work with the, mm -hmm. the birth mom yep. and really try to help them get this child back. 
the, the ones that um, that they were they fostering. Should. Yeah, sometimes they should get their kids back. And I love that. And I just think that there's so much like that that, we, that those of us that are not um, a part of the fostering system know. And so I love to hear those stories where, um, it, you know, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. she looks at it as, fostering both the child and mm-hmm. the mom yeah you know mm-hmm. maybe fostering is not the right word for the mom mm-hmm. but helping the mom and and doing everything she can mm-hmm. to um help them get that child back so there is uh, so much more involved than i think people understand that for this sure is, this is a lifestyle that changes it changes children's lives mm-hmm. and sometimes others lives well and you have to remember too that um that a lot of times that mom or dad loves their child. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they just don't know what to do or how to do it. Right. Um, they don't know that they're making the bad choices. Now, yes, sometimes it's completely different than that. And there's some really sad stories in there. But, um, you know, so some of the things our kids have ha- had to overcome, um, our daughter, Sayla, um, she's five now. And um, we did, she's one that we have adopted, but she we've had her since she was born. Um, her bio parents um, were in a really hot mess position at that time and that's just the best way to say it and making bad choices and they still loved her but getting out of some of the addictions were very was beyond their level at that point so um, they did come to visitation but it was so rarely that I would have to leave her with them who were strangers when she was little and she was a baby it didn't really matter because you know babies will be held by anyone but as she got older she started being very scared and she would be crying for me as I'm leaving her with her bio parents. And her bio parents are trying to tell her, I'm your mommy, I'm your daddy. And she's crying, no. And Dahlia's crying for her. And it was very traumatic. She still has some PTSD from that. And almost every night in the middle of the night, she'll cry and sleepwalk to my bed to find me. Um, when I leave the house, she's the one. It's not like a normal kid where it's like, you know, mommy, don't go. You know, it's like can be very traumatic sometimes of her being scared I won't come back. Um, so, uh, at, before she got adopted, before visitation stopped, the last probably three or four times, she would start hyperventilating and screaming because she didn't know them. So, um, that was a little bit difficult. Um, we also had, you know, when, when kids first come into your home, um, even though you love them or you want to show them what a healthy family is, think it's almost like a puppy. You know, how people can beat their puppy and the puppy still comes back and loves them. Yeah. That's how little kids are sometimes. They... Um, they cry for their parents, even though their parents might have been really bad. Um, that's all they know. That's all they know. And they love them anyways. And, um, you know, things like that. Plus, I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, is that you have to show them a safe, loving environment. And, um, and do the best that you can. And, and, and one of the cool things, too, is when you become a foster parent, they give you a lot of trainings that help you know what to do yeah. in some of these crazy situations. You're like, oh, I've never, I've never dealt with this before. Right. And you also have caseworkers and consultants that you can always call and ask to for help. So, so Sayla is your adopted daughter. Yes. And she's five. How, how old are your other kids? Okay, so Dahlia just turned six. Sayla's five. Atticus is four, Elisa's turned three, and then our newest little one is almost six months. You've had them all? Yes. I mean, you don't always have a foster child, but you've had one often enough that probably all of your kids have seen them come and go. Yes. How do they they do with that? Um, Well, with this newest one, we do talk to them about... um, Daya's really the only one that remembers Elias being born. Um, He's three. 
And so when we were starting to talk to them about getting this newest little girl, um, you know, they were kind of confused, like, Mommy, you don't have a baby in your belly, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And so we were talking to um, them, again, about foster care. We hadn't had any foster kids in a little while because Sayla had been adopted and our kids were all so close in age. We were maxed out, you know. Um, but they do obviously know Danny, too, so that kind of helps. Um, but we had to talk to them about we don't know how long she'll stay. We are going to love her in our home while she's here with us. She is our sister. Um, that never changes, um, no matter where she goes, but we love her while she's here. And, and you know, that's, that's a hard conversation to have with little ones, to be honest. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I think it does give us an op- opportunity to show Christ's love. Yeah. So. Yeah, in a, in a really special way. Yeah. So, so it could be difficult for them when she moves on. Yeah, if she, if she moves on and goes back to her parents, it will be very difficult. So, yeah, something definitely to pray about. So let's talk about the process. You mentioned um, that there's people that you can call and that there's this great yes. um, program that you go through. Yeah. So, so talk about that. Um, if you are local to Logan County, Logan County doesn't actually um, license people to be foster parents. Um, so you have to go through an outside agency. We went through Adriel. Um, they're out of West Liberty, and I think some people get in their mind that Adriel is just this place that had a bunch of really bad kids, but that's right. actually not the case. The children that were living at their homes before were children who were unable to be in foster care because they're, um, they were not safe in a family environment. Um, but what they actually do there is they license parents for foster care mm-hmm. or adoption, or and adoption, I guess I should say, and um, to become a foster parent, you take classes through their agency to learn how to handle a lot of the different things. Um, you also will have a consultant. So you have a caseworker through your county, uh, but you also have a consultant. And um, ours was amazing. Um, you actually know Ashley Smith, so yep. I'm just going to throw yep. her name out there. Yep. She doesn't work there anymore, but she was such a wonderful person to work with. Yeah. Um, and so the situation with our daughter, our newest little foster daughter, is she's technically through kinship care. So I want to explain that side of it because it has so much to do with foster care. So kinship care is when a child goes into a home, whether it is a family friend or a sister or whatever, um, instead. So for instance, let's say um, one of your children lost custody of their child. You could say, I know this child. They're my grandchild. I love them. They can live with me instead of going into foster care. So, um, with that in mind, our newest one, we are, um, or she is a half-sister to our adopted daughter. Okay. So, even though we're not biologically related to the child, she can still be in kinship care through that. Okay. Um, So, the reason the kinship care isn't, there's two things that are important to know about kinship care. Um, One of the things is um, you do not get a stipend like you would for foster care to take care of the the children. Um, which is why a lot of times they want to find somebody in kinship care to take the child versus foster care. Um, the reason this is important to know for foster parents is because you could have a child in your home and everyone's always like, I'm scared they're going to go back home. A lot of times they don't go back home. They go into kinship care. So they go into the home mm-hmm. of right. a friend or family of the bio parents. Okay. So... It feels like fostering to you, but it has just a little bit... Yeah, to us, it's exactly the same um, because of the fact that 
we already had SELA, obviously. Um, the only difference is, is that there's no stipend. So does SELA know that there is a biologic? Yes. Okay. We are very honest with our children. We think it is very important to talk to them about every single step of our lives. Anytime things become secrets, mm -hmm. they are bad. So when people are like, I'm not going to tell my kid they're adopted, I always shut that down because adoption is beautiful and wonderful. And if it's celebrated, mm -hmm. it's beautiful and wonderful. Right. But if you're 16 and you find out you're adopted and it feels like a really dirty secret in the family, then it's bad. Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel like you lose your identity. Right, right. So, and do your, uh, does Sela have um, any ties to her biological parents now? Uh, not her father. He has moved out of state. Her biological mother. I do message back and forth with her um, through Facebook, and um, so sometimes she'll send little messages to Sayla or a little video, and 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 vice versa. I'll send some of, from Sayla back to her bio mom as well. Um, you know, at this time we have not let them see each other since mm -hmm. um, she was adopted. However, um, she will at some point. I think it. Sayla has to be old enough to understand what that really means. She kind of understands, but she's still only five. Um, and it would have to be in, you know, obviously safe environment. Yeah, and, now, and right now she has such traumatic memories yes. of being pulled from you. Yes. She's not of your mom, so as she gets older, that might get a little bit better. And that's what I love about, about this, too, and I think people don't understand that, that the mom isn't necessarily out of the picture. If she, she wasn't able to take care of her, there's still that... You know, because so many times with adopted kids, they think, my mom didn't want me. Yes. Rarely was that the case. Yes. Sayla's mom loves but her I very get much. It. Yeah. She, yeah. She was very much unable to take care of her at that time. So she, and you tell her that. Yes. So that is, that takes that right out. And so, you know, I, I asked Candlelyn to be on the show because um, she, she knows my daughter. <laughs> but also I follow her on Facebook and her story is so amazing. Um, the way that they've taken these kids in and her love for them, her love for her own kids and just kids in general. <laughs> and I thought that you had a story to tell and could help people see, you know, there's a lot more to fostering than, than what you might think. And um, to encourage people that, you know, might feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit to add, to add something to their life, that there are, there are some children out there of all ages, not just babies and not just toddlers, but even teenagers yep. who need someone to love them. Yep. One of the things that I hear all the time is, oh, I could never do that because it would just hurt too much. And every time I think to myself, do you think I'm a monster that likes to get hurt? So don't say that. Um, I understand that, yes, you're going to love a child and they may or may not be something, somebody that you can adopt. Um, however, every child deserves to be loved enough yeah. that it'd be worth losing, you know? Um, and the thing is, is that not every child that comes into your home are one they might not be in foster care very long because they might be reunified but you can love them while they're there and not and I don't mean this to sound bad but not every child is are you supposed to adopt you know what I mean right. like sometimes they're just going to become a, a close loving part of your family and it and that but that doesn't mean that they are supposed to be with you forever if that makes any sense it does, um it does. sometimes if they don't stay with you they're they're probably going to a situation that's better for them yes and that's okay um the other thing is is if somebody wants to help the foster care system but they're they're like i'm afraid i would get attached to this child and lose them um there is something that's called respite care and it is um it's it's a wonderful way to help foster parents um essentially it's short-term foster care so if 
let's say my husband and I decided to take all of our kids to Disney World, but it wasn't approved for the baby to go. You know, they would go into a short-term respite situation, which would be another foster parents for a few days or a week or whatever, um, so that they're taken care of and um, and and you, you can still do things. Um, it also is good for, especially right now, a lot of my friends who are foster parents, they're maxed out. They have eight, nine kids. Right. Sometimes they need a weekend away too. Just right. their husband and them, you know, they need that time. And since you can't send your foster kid to grandma's house for the weekend, they have to go into a respite situation. Right. I didn't think of that. Yeah. So if somebody is like, I don't think I could commit to taking on a child that I may someday adopt, um, but I could do respite for, you know, a weekend or a week here and there. It's a wonderful situation because it gives those foster parents a little break uh-huh. um, or an opportunity for them to have time with with maybe just their biological children or just their husband. And sometimes that's important because, you know, I remember Absolutely. when I first thought, I was like, that's terrible. I would never put, you know, send my kids in respite, you know. Um, but as I've seen other families... Um, who have done, and we've done respite as well. So we've we've been able to do that for other foster kids. Um, it's one of those things where it's like sometimes as a foster parent specifically, you have time with your biological, you don't have as much time with your biological children. You are giving up some of that time to love on these children. And you never want your own kids to feel neglected or feel like they aren't as important. Um, and the other thing is is your marriage. I mean, it's hard so, I mean, we all know marriage is hard in general, so you've got to make sure you're taking that time to have Absolutely. with your spouse. Absolutely. And so um, I, I think that's a, a wonderful opportunity for people who are like, you know what? We would love to have an extra kid or two for the weekend. They'll play with my kids. They'll have fun. I didn't even know that was something yeah. available. So yep. I'm glad you talked about that. Yeah. So, okay, I never thought about if you wanted to go for away for a weekend that there would be a out of state or whatever there'd be rules about that so what about if you and tony just want a date night yeah. can your mom or his mom watch the all the kids including the foster or how does that work um you have to get fingerprinted okay. and i'm trying to think because it's been a while for us i think you have to you have to get fingerprinted and you have to fill out some information and it has to be approved it's really not that hard okay um it's just to make sure that it's a safe person right. now right. for overnight it has to be a licensed foster parent. Okay. So or 24 hours. So I remember when we were having, I was in labor. <laughs> I was in labor <laughs> with, I think, Atticus, and Sayla was not adopted yet. Okay. And so we had to, we didn't want to put her in respite. First off, it would be really hard last minute to be right. like, I'm in labor. Who, rest, what respite family <laughs> wants to take her, you know? Plus, I already told you she had a lot of PTSD, right, so right. I was very concerned about that. So um, we, we can leave her for 24 hours. So um, we just had to make sure that if I was in labor for that long, Tony had to go home for a little bit. And But thankfully, so that, that was my fastest labor. And so it wasn't that God has a way of taking care of those things. I know. Now yeah, I was in labor 26 hours. It would have been terrible. But Atticus was like five hours. So yeah. I had him and Tony was able to go home and it was fine. But um, yeah, it's not too hard to find or to get somebody to... To become a, um, a person who can babysit for foster kids. In fact, if you have a friend who is a foster parent and you would be willing to babysit, I also recommend you comment, calling them and telling them, oh, I'll get fingerprinted and do the situation because they need you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, because, I mean, let's be honest. You have five kids in your house right mm-hmm. now, four all the time. Yeah. And who even knows what call might come. Yeah. And, you know, it, 
every case is different and you would probably tell me right now, yeah, we couldn't take another, but you never know when they call and what the story is, what you would do. And I know. I've seen it on your Facebook page many a time. So, Oh, there is one more thing I wanted to say for foster parents. You don't have to say yes to every kid. That's important because everyone's yeah. scared that they're going to get the call and it's going to be this child that's not going to work on their home. And one of my dear friends, Amanda, uh, used to be Patrick. I just, she's been married for like eight years. You think I'd remember Slough. She works at Adriel at a different branch. And she said specifically, don't bring a child into your home that you don't think is a good fit because if they have to be removed and moved to another situation, it's just going to be harder on them. So only say yes to the children that would be a good you think would be a good fit for your family. So you know there was one specific kid. It was really hard for me to say no to, but we were I was already tired, exhausted. I think we had three kids at the time, and it was another two year old. And I was like, oh, he's so cute, he's a little boy. And Tony was like, no. So my husband and I are very, we both have to say yes. We both have to agree. And after he said that, it was like that night specifically got no sleep. And I was like, you're right. We probably shouldn't take on another two. <laughs> the voice of reason. Yes. But you know what? There's another foster family who probably was so thankful to get this cute little nubby two-year-old, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. And sometimes our no's are um, a gift, uh-huh. a, a yes uh-huh. gift to somebody else. So uh-huh. that's always a good way to think about it. So... Um, last question, just give me an overview of your day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's probably not the same every day yeah. because you're pastor and a pastor wife and photography, yeah. neither of which are, um, an eight to five job. No. So they're just, 24 hour jobs now. <laughs> they can, well, at least the pastoring part. Yeah. It can feels be. like that. And, uh, when you're editing, I'm sure that it does feel like the photography job yes. is 24-7 too. So just, you know, tell me about a, a day for you all. Okay, so I'll kind of give a quick week synopsis because every day is a little different. Obviously, Sunday we have church. My husband's a pastor. Um, we lead worship together, and I do the children's program. So Sunday mornings are really busy. Um, Tony does not shoot pictures on Sundays unless we have a mini day because he likes to have that day to just kind of recover after church, and he'll do some editing, but... I almost always shoot on Sundays. Um, One of our daughters is now in kindergarten, so she's in school Monday through Friday. It's the saddest thing ever. Um, (laughs) And Sayla's in school Tuesday, Thursday. So I usually do my sessions during the day on Tuesday, Thursdays. Um, And in the evenings, we shoot um, every evening except for Fridays. Um, Tony also still does some construction on the side um, for mostly just family and friends, so he usually will try and do that on Tuesday, Thursdays, but he also is at the church on Tuesday, Thursdays if he's not doing that. Um, we edit almost every night until midnight. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> and you have a six-month-old in your house. Yeah, it's fine. We don't see. Um, we get we try and get up at 7 o'clock and have um, family breakfast together, um, and then we try and have, depending, seasons for photography obviously goes when the sun goes down, but right now it's we are still able to have dinner together before we go take pictures. Um so uh, it's, it's a little bit crazy. That's why we really try and preserve our family time. That is right. from when Di is off of school at 3 until um, after dinner. Is mm-hmm. We try really hard to stay off of our phones and just be a family together during that time. Obviously, it's, you know, there are days it doesn't work out that way. but That's the goal. But yeah, so we edit literally uh, from like 7 to midnight every night. And then during the day, Tony and I kind of take turns doing that. We do have a lady who comes to our house five hours on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so that we can go do the other things okay. that we have to do. <laughs> it's crazy so all the time. If you can, just sum up what 
what fostering means to your life. You know, God is God clearly called you and Tony to this mm. before you were even married. And I think it's, you know, he put you together with someone who whose mom had seen that and so this is a calling for you. Yes. And something I can see you doing long after your children are gone. So what what value does that bring to you personally? Um it might make me cry to even say it, but to to think that I wouldn't have my daughter Sayla without it, yeah. I wouldn't. We wouldn't have Danny. I mean, I'm not joking when I say people told us how terrible of an idea it was to bring Danny home from Mexico as a teenager, and I just felt that calling on my heart that he was supposed to be part of our family. And to this day, he brought us out of the one of the darkest times. We were struggling with infertility and miscarriage, and I just was feeling like I'm never going to be a mom. And even though he was a teenager. It's so funny to this day. It's really funny now that he's 25. Uh, <laughs> when he calls me mom, people are like, look at us, like, what's happening? But um, I'm 70. Just <laughs> <laughs> look really good for my age, okay? Um, but, you know, I wouldn't have that. And, and what a blessing. And, and the thing is, is to the foster kids that we've had that we no longer have any longer, they still were part of our family and they still blessed us and taught us so much and brought us joy. And, you know, when we first got this newest little baby, um, I'm not even going to lie and pretend like I was not happy and sad at the same time. Right. It's really sad to know, you know, we're bringing in another one of Sayla's siblings that we might not be able to keep because we had some of her older ones that ended up getting adopted out of a kinship home. And um, so I was happy and I was sad at the same time. And Tony just said, you know what? We love her while she's here. We're called to do this, and we feel like God has placed her in our, our lives and our families for for a reason. And so we can say no and miss out on those blessings of the time she's with us, or we can say yes. And, um, you know, even if a child's – I mean, she's five months old. She's so – she's got chubby legs now, and she smiles. And it's like, even if I don't get to keep her forever, the time that she's with us is such an incredible blessing. Right. And I, I look at you and Tony and, and the obedience. You, you know it might not be easy. You don't know. I mean, it's such an open thing. You might get to keep her. You might not get to keep her. You learn to love her because mm-hmm. you have chosen to do this and the Holy Spirit has nudged you and your obedience has brought you here. And I just, I love that part of the story mm-hmm. from Danny clear mm-hmm. through that you all, you hear it and you're obedient. You're obedient when, when he's telling you no. Okay, well, Tony was obedient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, that's why together you're able to do that. And I love that part of the story. So two quick questions that have nothing okay. to do with, with Father. Um, one, tell me the scripture verse that you're just living by right now, and what brings you joy right now? Um, well, we've been memorizing at church with our kids, Philippians 4.13, I can do mm-hmm. all things through Christ who gives me strength. And for some reason, I, I, I actually have just come out of a pretty dark depression, to be honest, with the whole virus and, yeah. and everything changing. And, um, you know, we do. Ha- I have a little PTSD because Sayla also had a biological sister who passed away. We were supposed to be able to adopt so getting this new baby was really hard at first because I was thinking a lot about the baby that we we lost you know um, but God really just he he's brought us to um, I don't know he's brought us through he brings you through the hardest times you know and he never he leaves you even though it's in those hard times so every morning we've been saying that verse at, at the breakfast table and it's just kind of been our motto for the last few weeks but things that bring me joy 
Um, and this is going to sound so silly, but there's this song by Chris Tomlin, Thank You, Lord, with Florida Georgia Line, that every morning I've been putting it on because it's just so upbeat, and it's uh-huh. thank you, Lord, for all these things. You know, it's, it's y'all need to listen to it. It just brings me so much joy. But also just the, um, the little things with our kids. Right now we're raising monarchs and going and finding milkweed and oh little, gosh, you know, eggs that. and little yeah. caterpillars and watching them go. It is just, it's been wonderful. And seeing the kids learning and growing and um you know kids are hard um but man they're so funny i just today die on the way to school we get out of the car and she's like she sees her friend sam and <laughs> she's like there's sam i'd recognize that face anywhere <laughs> just like, what are you talking about yeah it was so funny <laughs> i was like who says that you know but the kids they just they keep you laughing through the crazy times the in the whisper podcast is sponsored by gifts with grace Gifts with Grace connects caring mentors with women who need encouragement and support after experiencing trauma. Our mentors meet women where they are, and together we work towards specific goals uniquely suited just for them. Each woman also has the opportunity to grow spiritually through Bible study and express herself through the creative process of gift making. If you want to know more about Gifts with Grace, go to our webpage at giftswithgrace.org. Thank you, Candlin, for taking some of your precious time and spending it with us. And thank you, Tony, for giving her that time. We really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about foster care, you can go to adriel.org and you can learn more about the things that Candlin was talking about today. There's such a need. And if God has put it on your heart to foster kids or even do a respite foster stay. You can reach out to Adriel and they'll be able to help you. And certainly your prayers for this program are always appreciated. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with In the Whisper today.